as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. I look back uh, on different events that occurred in my life. And now because my, my mind has been transformed because I'm in Christ, I can see that God had been working in my life for a long time, for a long time. Monday morning. I always say morning and I start over. Uh, we'll leave it at that because uh, I don't know if people listen on Monday morning or or, uh, or some other time during the day, whatever. We do know, Derek, this is a fascinating thing. I shared it with you in the church family uh, last night, is that somebody in Singapore listened to this podcast. You said you don't know anybody in Singapore. No. <laughs> um, somebody in Ireland. I don't know if they, this, this must be by mistake. Uh, but in any case, whoever you are uh, and wherever you are, uh, thanks for listening. If, if by any chance what Derek and I share is encouraging, we just uh, would appreciate if you just share this, the link with others and tell them where you can listen to this. The information is all in the description below. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about um, specifically focusing on the need that we have for Christ to save us, the need for the atonement. We finished Friday by just mentioning that Christ solves it all and nothing needs to be added. So this week, as we begin another week on the podcast, what we want to talk about is how specifically that is then applied to our lives. And we were talking again just before turning it uh, on the recording, and I stopped us because I wanted it to be more natural. Uh, And I want to just personally uh, ask you a few questions, Derek, about how you came to Christ, sure. and then and then begin. Um, before we get personal, let's be technical, okay? We want to balance technical and doctrine with personal. What we're going to be talking about is something called the Ordo Salutis. That's just Latin for order of salvation. You want to spend uh, thirty seconds explaining what we mean by that, and then we'll uh, the we'll leave that behind. Ordo Salutis is is more or less talking about the whole process of salvation and redemption from beginning to end. Uh, uh, we'll learn as we talk about it that uh, it proves that God and God alone is the one who has affected our salvation and redemption because every aspect of what is called the golden chain of salvation, each of those links are forged by God, mm-hmm. and we can take no credit in any of that. Yeah. This is not the Ordo Salutis and the Order of Salvation that we're talking about. It's not something we're going to be mentioning every every Monday, Wednesday, Friday until we're done with this discussion. But we just want to, as Derek just said, uh, highlight and magnify each of the aspects that go into how our how salvation is applied to us by God, uh, how it comes to actually be true about us. What is the process that happens? And, and there is a process. God is a God of order. I mean, primarily. Uh, the Bible talks about the manifold grace of God being displayed upon us. And, and I, I, I thought about this, the idea that it, our salvation was devised in eternity past uh, by the counsel and will of God. Then Christ, in a historical moment, right, something that actually happened in, in time and history, Jesus came to secure that salvation for us. And then... For each one of us who have received Christ, the Spirit then applies what Christ has done to our hearts through this process, and that's what we want to talk about. And for an unbeliever, it might be a, a way to guide them into receiving 
salvation, and for the believer, it's just another way to magnify God for all he's done. So let's go back now to the personal aspect of uh, your testimony. You were, you were sharing just a little bit, and it was, it was so interesting. I think it helps for people to hear how we came to know Christ, what were the circumstances, and then we can be more specific about exactly what God does. Um, you, were, you were in your 20s, right? When you, yes, I was had you, uh, approximately 25. When you became a Christian. Yes. But had yes. you, is your, is your, I know this, I'm asking some of these questions for the people who don't, but your background then as a child, was it in the church, was it not? Yes, my background was in the church. My mother was a Christian. Uh, I was not, uh, and nor were my siblings, but we were raised to, to, to know about God and to know about Jesus Christ, but I did not have a personal relationship with him. Um, I, I had heard the gospel many times and in many different ways, uh, and yet it wasn't until I was 25 years old I was uh, singing in an R&B group. Now, do you remember the name of that group? <laughs> I'm not telling. <laughs> Come on, the listeners demand I, to know. Well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not telling the name of that group. But at any rate, I, I, it appeared that I was going to be singing professionally, yeah. but that didn't work out. And when I look back on it, I can only say praise God. Hmm. Uh, but I remember different things occurring in my life to where things seemed to be literally falling away. Stuff that I found myself involved in or saw myself doing Those things were changing, and I felt as though my heart was getting softened, but I didn't know why. Mm. And then ultimately, uh, a friend of mine, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, someone that I used to party with, if you will, he had accepted Christ Mm. first. What was his name? Uh, His name was John. Okay. And John shared the gospel with me. Uh, We worked together, uh, and uh, he shared the gospel with me, and shortly after that, I responded to God's truth, and I haven't looked back. Where were you working when John taught the, brought the uh, gospel I was working at Joe Muir Seafood as a waiter in okay. uh, Detroit. Uh, this restaurant no longer exists. But uh, When John came to you with this news that he had trusted Christ, mm-hmm. did, were you, and you had grown up in the church, right. and again, just we just want to make clear that that doesn't mean a thing. Right. Growing up in the church doesn't exactly. mean, I mean, it, it, it can be a blessing that you're around the gospel, but that doesn't make you a Christian or mm-hmm. give you a greater chance in any way. But, but you, so you, you knew what he meant when he came to you, right? Sure. Were you like, what was your first response? You had, you had said you were becoming soft to the gospel. Were you, were you happy for him? Were you skeptical? What was your initial response? No, I response? was not skeptical okay. at all, and I just believed that I was ripe for the picking. Uh, there was nothing... Uh, happening in my life that made me feel as though I had to run to God. But at the same time, God was working in his own way in my life, and uh, my heart was just ready. Hmm. You know, and I think sometimes that we forget that when we're talking to other people. We don't know that God may have already uh, tilled the soil, and all we Mm -hmm. need to do is plant the seed. Mm -hmm. That's a good encouragement. You never know. how God is working behind the scenes. And what you just said there about God working is going to be a theme for the next week and a half. Mm -hmm. We got about a week and a half on this discussion, and then we're going to totally change gears and talk about something else. But we wanted to begin that way by by noting that it is, and and you said it, it is God who is the worker 
right. of everyone's right. salvation. I think it was, I don't know, last week sometime, we talked about monergism. Right. The idea that, that and you said it, it's like mono means one and ergo means to work. So mm-hmm. it's one is working. Right. And and we said synergy is understood in the business world because, hey, let's come together and be synergistic in our and collaborative in our thinking. Salvation is not a collaborative effort on the part of any person. Boy, with is that God. ever true? It's it's God alone who does that work. Mm-hmm. And apart from you even realizing it, mm-hmm. God was drawing you to mm-hmm. Himself before John came and and kind of maybe put the nail in your coffin, right. so to speak, spiritually. Mm-hmm. And then He used that conversation to draw you to Himself. You know, and as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. I look back. Uh, on different events that occurred in my life, and now because my my mind has been transformed because I'm in Christ, I can see that God had been working in my life for a long time, mm. for a long time. Mm. We are we are unworthy of that work, right? You'd agree with that. Absolutely. There's, I mean, why? Uh, when I consider, this is Psalm 8, when I consider the work of your hands, the sun, moon, and stars, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the mm-hmm. son of man that you would have regard for him? And especially when we consider Romans uh, 5, enemies, hostile, uh, sinners, ungodly, and yet he, God's love reached out to me uh, when we were lost and hopeless yes. and reckless and sinful and rebellious, and he worked salvation in our hearts. So how, what we want to answer... What question we want to answer is this, how does God do that work? And, and we go back to this order of salvation, which isn't that critical, but let's begin now. What is the first step? Apart from God in eternity past, uh, we, we understand that he uh, and believe, we don't want to get into this too deeply, but we believe that God has sovereignly uh, chosen for himself a people to be his, uh, to be his children but we're talking about now Now we're on the earth. In our life and time, what would be the first step in the process? And that's what we want to go into talking about today. So can you give us an introduction to yeah, that? The, What's the uh, first the step? The first uh, step in that process is the call. Okay. Uh, even when you think in terms of what the Greek word for the church is, ekklesia, meaning the called out ones, the Lord called us. And, of course, there are two uh, sides to that coin. You have what is called the universal or the general call, but then you have the effectual call. Okay, so let's let's separate those two okay. so everyone understands what we're talking about. We have a gen- general or universal call, and then we have an effectual call. Um, what is a general call? A general call would be the uh, proclamation of the gospel. In any form. In any form. A person right. could turn on the television, and if it was a preacher who was a gospel preacher, mm-hmm. he, through the television, through the radio, is giving a call. Absolutely. Every good pastor, every Sunday, should give a general call. Amen. In general, just, mean, just means for everyone. It's right. like general admission. Right. General call. Everyone who hears that call is... is receiving the general or universal call. And how will they hear unless a preacher goes? So it's the proclamation of the gospel. What's the difference between that and what is known as the, as you said, the effectual call? What's the difference? You know, the way I'd like to put it is, first of all, the general call is is external. Yes. Okay, the message is being heard, but there is something much greater in the effectual call because that call is coming from the inside. 
And it is the Holy Spirit doing a work within the heart of that individual, drawing them irresistibly to God. Did you, let's, let's delve more into your personal life, not to go back to the R&B. Uh, <laughs> although my nickname, my nickname for you is D-Rock. That's your rap name if you ever get into that. Just teasing, but did you grow up in the city suburbs? Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, on the west side of Detroit. Okay, so when were you? Were there times you'd be outside playing, and your mom would call you for supper? Oh, absolutely. Okay, were there times you disregarded that call? Absolutely. Okay, so you just said that God's effectual call is an irresistible call. That's correct. The idea that when He makes that call, mm-hmm. you will respond. You will respond. Yeah. Right. Let's ask that. Let's go back and ask that question, which we've already answered. Who makes the effectual call? God the Father makes that effectual call. You, you pinpointed it, too. The Father. The Father makes that call. Um, one of the things that Murray said in his book, and again, I really encourage you to, to pick it up. Again, it's eight bucks, nine bucks on Amazon, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. He makes this great point that oftentimes we view God as the angry deity in the sky who is appeased by his son's death, and he kind of is standoffish and apart where Jesus is the kind God who comes and rescues mm-hmm. us and, and appeases this angry God. All that's false. Look who is involved at the very first step of salvation. It is God the Father. It is, it is that first person of the Trinity that makes the call. We see that in 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called. Uh, we see it in 1 Timothy 1.8 and 9. God who saved us and called us. It, it is the Father who makes that call. That's a pretty powerful mm-hmm. thought. He's not that distant deity in the sky who sends his kindly son to, to do the work. He is completely and totally invested too, and he calls us out of his great love that he has for Amen. us. Amen. So good. Uh, I, as I was reading uh, Murray, just rereading him this morning, uh, one portion he said that God, is the, God the Father is the author of this call. In other words, we do not call ourselves. <laughs> and it made me think of how you hear some people say, and they may be genuinely born again, but they say, I found the Lord. Yes. And that is such, <laughs> it, 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 it's just not correct. They mean, they mean well. They mean well, right. but the reality is you didn't find the Lord because he was never lost. Yeah. He found you, and he found you by calling you. Mm. Romans 3, there are none that seek Absolutely. after God. Absolutely. What about people who don't like this idea that God makes the call and he is sovereign in the call? For instance, uh, in church yesterday, we preach and, and share the gospel, and everyone in the audience hears the general call, right? Yes, yes. Is it? What about people who say, and there, there may be people who complain that that's not fair or they don't like the idea that God is sovereign in that call and really sovereign in every step of yes. salvation that we're yes. going to talk about. What do we say to those people? Well, first of all, we have to, to ask the question, and I hate to put it this way, but who's in charge? God is, and God gets to make the rules. Uh, there are a lot of things. I mean, if, if we look at it on the level of a parent and a child— and you tell that child he or she can't do something, and they say, why? And you say, because I said so. It's because you are sovereign in those circumstances. And I think that same thing, even though it's kind of a a cheap uh, illustration, uh, it it shows us what God is in in this situation. 
Yeah, we have the audacity to think that we deserve the right to be sovereign right. in that, mm-hmm. and and that's just not the case. Although we are responsible for ignoring the general call, right? Right. The, go back to this church service. The people who hear the general call, and there will be people in churches yesterday all around the country that heard the general call and rejected it. They are responsible for that rejection, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there is a there is an not an irony. That's not the right word, but there is a. Uh, kind of an oxymoronic idea to that, that how can both things be true, that God is sovereign in our calling and we are also responsible for rejecting that call. Those are just two truths that the Bible teaches that we have to accept. Going back to the ordo or, or order of salvation, I think we get the idea that, that God does order salvation in Romans 8.30, which says, mm-hmm. um, those who he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Now, that's not the complete list of things we're going to discuss, but you definitely have here people who are predestined, and God does that. Called, God does that. Justified, God does that. Glorified. God does that, Amen. and so we're on the we're on the aspect of calling. It means more than um, it means more than just um, asking. It is the idea of a summons. Right. Now yeah. we're. I can't believe how much time this took uh, already. Um, I like to keep it at about twenty two minutes, um, so it's not too long. But I'd like to talk about these three aspects of the call. I'll throw them out to you, and you can choose which okay. one you want to talk about. Um, that the, the call of God is effective, that is, it, it always mm-hmm. achieves its desired end, mm-hmm. it's immutable, mm-hmm. it, will, it does not change, and it's a holy calling. Those are three descriptive mm-hmm. terms that the Bible gives. It's an effective, immutable, holy call. Which one of those three you want to go for? I'll go with immutable. Okay, go for that. Yep. Uh, the immutability of it is, uh, simply means that God doesn't change his mind because God does not change. And so as a result of... Uh, his um, giving us that summons. It's not like, uh, say, for instance, if you were summoned uh, summoned to jury duty and you could either come or not come. Mm-hmm. But in God, because He is immutable and all that He says will ultimately come to pass, you're coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're coming. So, uh, and nothing will change that. Yeah. Yeah, you cheated a little bit because you took two out of the three. Oh, you did. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You talked about it being effective. It's great. It leaves only one for me. Yeah, that, that it, it will happen. It, there is no resisting the call of God. Right. You, when he makes that call, you will respond. And there's, there's a delight in being called. There's sure. a joy in being called. I, you know, when, when you are chosen, many are called. But few few are, chosen. are chosen. The many are called is that idea of the general call. Right. Many are exactly. called, but few are chosen. And and it, the 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 one that you've left for me then, is the idea that it. Well, to go back just to quote a scripture uh, regarding God's immutable call, the gifts and calling of God are without mm-hmm. repentance. He doesn't mm-hmm. call a person and then say, "Oh man, I, I'm sorry I did, did that. Why did I ever call Derek or Andy? Right. That is ridiculous." I no, that 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 doesn't happen. Nothing. Nothing changes that. Um, but the, the third one, and, and you talked a little bit about this on Friday's uh, show, where we mentioned, you know, a person after they exercise faith should be, should be demonstrating that they're truly saved through their walk. Right. There's so many scriptures um, that talk about God's call being a 
a high and holy call. Second mm-hmm. Timothy one eight nine. I already quoted it today, but it says God saved us and called us with a holy calling. So in other words, the call that God makes upon us is a call for us to separate ourselves mm-hmm. from the world so that if we still find ourselves feeling at home with mm. sinful things, mm-hmm. then we must realize we haven't truly been saved. We haven't been called. Right. If a person can, again, we have to differentiate between profession and possession. And possession exactly. People can say, people can say anything, right? You know, I, I could say, uh, I could say, uh, Derek, I'm a, I'm a member of, uh, you know, the, what's the name of the high IQ nation, a thing mm-hmm. in the nation. I don't know, know what it is, but I, I could make any claim I wanted. Right. right. Did you know, Derek, I was drafted by the Detroit Tigers, but I decided not. I mean, I could make any profession, and many people do that. Oh, did you know I, I received Christ? I invited Jesus into my heart, or whatever right. they might say. Right. And then you look at their life, and they're so mm-hmm. at home in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no break from, mm-hmm. from that sin. They can still enjoy with no remorse the pleasures of mm-hmm. sin. We would say, from our perspective, that that person mm-hmm. truly hasn't been called, right or wrong. And, and see, this is a phenomenon that, that exists right now in Christendom today to where many people profess Christ. Yeah. And unfortunately, in many cases, family members who are genuinely saved are more or less confirming that they are when they have absolutely no fruit to prove it. I had uh, one situation with a uh, gentleman that I worked with. He said that he was a Christian, and yet he would habitually and fluently use God's name in vain. So I asked him, I said, how can you say that you're a believer, and yet you can so easily blaspheme the Lord's name? He said, because Jesus Christ died for my sins. Mm -hmm. That's such a dangerous place to be in. Because, first of all, you're saying that you know better by even saying that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But you're disobeying him to the extent that you blaspheme him with every aspect of your life. Yeah. The, I promise that on Wednesday, on the next show, we're going to talk about this as we talk about the next step because it all it ties in so clearly. But there is no question that, I mean... One of the you you've been such a blessing to me in the years that I've known you, and I'm gonna put you on the spot here, and I hate to do that, but the the one quote that you always state about lapsing into sin, right. would you do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do remember that, it, that and so, I don't want to take credit from it. It actually comes from Dr. Adrian Rogers, but he said that the sinner lapses into sin and I'm sorry, leaps into sin and loves it. But the child of God, the true child of God, lapses into sin and loathes it. So that means we're all going to occasionally fall into sin. But if you're wallowing in sin and if you're buddying up with the world and if you're shoulder to shoulder and you have no problems with that, don't even make the mistake of thinking that you truly belong to Jesus yeah, Christ that, because you don't. The, the, that has really helped. I've shared that with a lot of people. There's such a difference between leaping and lapsing, lapsing sure. we all will continue to sin. Sure. That's just a reality. But are we enjoying it? Are we? Right. Are we? Are we just staying there with no repentance? Mm. The the call of God, this effectual, immutable, and holy call of God, demands 
Amen. that change. Mm. But but again, this is the first step in the process. There's there's some more blessed things to happen. But if if you are saved, then then rejoice in the fact that God in love called right. you to right. be His. And if you're not, then you've received the general call today. Right. You've heard the general call mm-hmm. through this program on how you can be saved by exercising faith and repentance, turning from your sin, and turning to Christ as the only solution for your salvation. And you are responsible if Amen. you reject that. Amen. How, how, how tragic for people that don't. If I could just say very Go ahead, quickly. finish us. Uh, yep. It just makes me think in the book of Hebrews where it says, the day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. If you're hearing the word of God today, if you are hearing it through a preacher, or through someone witnessing, or you're maybe even reading the Word of God, do not uh, reject that because each time you do that, your heart becomes more hardened and you get to the place to where you don't have the capacity to respond to truth. So today to hear God's voice is today. Great counsel, great way to end. We will, Lord willing, talk to you next time.